Welcome to Short Course, Episode 6, for March 9th, 2018. I'm your host, Ben Barry. This week I want to talk about my performance in recent matches, and some thoughts and discoveries that I've made, and some interesting observations that hopefully will be helpful. My monthly match schedule at this point, I've pruned it back to the point where I only shoot two club matches a month, which has put me in an interesting position where I've essentially chosen the two club matches a month that are the most challenging to me, that I, that I think I'll get the most out of. You know, when you're looking at the four matches a month that you used to shoot, the way I did, sometimes even up to six, when you're looking at those and you're winnowing down the ones that you don't want to shoot anymore, you take out the ones that you get the least from. That's not to say that they're bad or that they're not fun, but when I'm looking at the matches that will really just push me to my limits as a shooter, expose my weaknesses, and give me a, a gauge on whether what I'm doing in practice is working, I basically settled on two matches in particular. This had an unintended consequence that essentially those matches do, as you might imagine, require almost 100% of my ability as a shooter. And that's a good thing and a bad thing. It's a good thing because obviously it pushes me and tests me and all that. But it's a bad thing because I don't know that I was really aware of the fact that every single match I shoot, I have to bring 100% of my A game. Or it's not that things are going to go poorly. It's just that they're not going to go as well as I'd hoped. So my schedule these days is I shoot two matches back-to-back, one on the fourth weekend and one on the first weekend, and then I have the two weekends in the middle of the month to practice, tweak, change things, experiment, etc. I had a month where it was the end of January and the beginning of February where I shot those two matches back-to-back in more or less the same mindset and got a very similar result. And and having those two data points stacked right next to each other was, was really a bright signal to me that, that I was doing something wrong. Now, if you look at the match results, you might not think that I'm doing that much wrong. I didn't have a ton of mics or no shoots or anything like that. In fact, I don't think I had any. But looking at my match video and just the feeling at the time, I knew that I could have done better. And the reason for that is that it, at both matches, uh, at one of them I had actually volunteered to be the RO for the squad. And at the other one, it was one of these matches where the everybody just ROs, you know, the squad ROs itself. And there just wasn't more than uh, maybe one or two other guys on the squad that that could really take the timer. And so I ended up taking it for about half the squad. Now, mea culpa right there, I should have been more aggressive at, at sort of encouraging and recruiting people to run the timer. It's only a level one. You know, people have to learn at some point. And so holding to that high standard because I take the match very seriously, I think it was counterproductive both for people wanting to learn to RO and also for my ability to just shoot the match instead of spending all my time running the timer. Because that's, in, in the one case I'd volunteered and in the other case I sort of self-selected, I, I was running the timer way more than I should have given the level of complexity of the stages. Now, I emphasize it that way because pretty much the standard wisdom in the shooting community is, you know, you got to run the timer, everybody's got to take a turn, you know, it's just it's just part of the game. But as long as you give the timer up two or three shooters before it's your turn, you go back over your stage plan, then, then you'll be fine, you go shoot, it's all hunky-dory. And what I found was really interesting is, is that, was, that, that actually is true. Um, that, that is not incorrect. And that's why I say that there weren't any big scored errors on the final results, that the match didn't look like it went terribly. But when I go back and watch my match video, and when I see how I was shooting, there just there isn't the level of sort of polish and refinement and the little details that would shave half a second, second here, 
you know, really trying to get the footwork down or the positioning down on the stages because when I was only taking two or three shooters worth of time to give up the timer and revisualize my stage plans, what I got was stage executions that were competent and effective, but not the level that I really am pushing to be able to shoot at consistently. A big part of that is just because, like I said, I I have self-selected myself into shooting two of the most complicated matches near me. Uh, One's seven stages, the other's eight. This is a $20 club match, but, you know, they they pull out all the stops. You know, these aren't just run over here and hose them stages. It's a lot of you start in the middle of the stage and you go and you hit a spot right here and you shoot some targets and you run all the way to the one side of the stage and you shoot a couple targets, maybe one entering, another one exiting, that kind of stuff. I mean, these are... I hate to I hate to exaggerate, but I mean these really do feel like the kind of stages that that you would be quite happy to see at a at a state match. I mean these are these are very high quality stages. They're they're designed, they're debugged, and I feel incredibly lucky to have club matches at this level near me year round. The, do not get me wrong, this is not a complaint, but I think I've gotten in the habit of taking them not seriously enough. And so when I was running the timer, and then I'd give up the timer and and visualize and walk the stage through again for two or three shooters. When I would step up and shoot the stage, I always executed my plan more or less as I planned it. There were minor execution errors, usually related to steel, which is a known weakness of mine that that I need to work on. But the plan, the step here, shoot these targets in this order, all that stuff pretty much happened. The, The execution of the plan in broad strokes went off without a hitch. But it was all the finer level details that just weren't there in the visualization that led to little moments of hesitation or sort of double checking or overrunning positions and that kind of thing that while they, you know, they don't show up hugely on the timer and they don't result in scored errors, it was very frustrating to me to perform at a level that wasn't where I wanted it to be. And so I got to thinking about, okay, why is this? What, what fundamentally happened? And I came up with a sort of mental model of how I visualize stages. Embracing that and being aware of it, I think will help me visualize stages better in the future. And the the mental model goes a little bit something like this. This isn't hard and fast, but essentially the, the way that I think about visualizing stages after having had this experience is that it's a series of repetitive passes. It's like putting on really thin coats of paint on something and just layering them on and layering them on and, and adding more detail and more refinement every time. And so... You know, the, the first couple layers, the first couple times you visualize a stage through, you're you're planning out roughly what positions you're going to, you know, what area of the stage, what arrays you're going to be shooting, the, the broad strokes, sketch, pencil outline of the stage plan. The the middle phase is where you start adding in the little details, the, the things like what the individual targets you're going to shoot are. You don't think in arrays anymore. You start thinking in individual targets. You don't think in terms of areas of the stage. You think more in, in terms of particular shooting positions. So where your your foot wants to be for this target. And then the third layer, or the, the, the finest detail layer, which is essentially infinite, I do believe, the, the final touches are all the extra pieces, the things like where you look for which spot on the ground is going to be your marker to start breaking or where your eyes are going to be as you come around a barrel and you're expecting the the target to be there and and visualizing in all those little efficiencies and all those places that that you aren't waiting for something to happen you're proactively driving 
towards a shooting position or you're driving towards a target and you're, you are expecting it to come into your view. You're not just moving until you see the target and then you stop and shoot. And that third piece, that final piece, those little details, that's what was missing from, from these stage plans when I only had, or only took, you know, it's my own fault, when I only took two or three shooters worth of time to, to re-visualize through my stage plan. Because when I went through and, you know, had the, the, the pre-match time to, to walk through stages, and then the five minutes when my squad got to the stage, all of those were spent basically in in the, the beginning and middle phases of the of the visualization. And what I never did, because I didn't really take the time, is that I never went through and found those little efficiencies, the the little ways to, okay, when I'm done at this array, the next place my eyes should snap to is here, and I should start moving aggressively and look for this little nail in the PVC, and that's my signal to start breaking. All those little, the connective tissue, you could say, of the stage, really stitching together all the individual pieces that, that made the stage plan from sort of a checklist into one consistent, aggressive, smooth transition from, from one spot to another. And so when I shot the stages, it felt very herky-jerky. It felt, okay, yeah, run over here, shoot this guy in the middle, then left to right, then over to here. And so, you know, I, I followed the checklist, but it, it, it was sort of this, this switching back and forth where I would finish at one array or one position, and I would sort of have this moment of, oh, where do I go next? And again, you can't really see it on the video, but I, I remember being very conscious when I was shooting it that I just didn't have all the, the the pieces nailed down and everything stitched together tightly. And so it was frustrating to me because of the fact that that's the stuff that I need to work on. And fundamentally, I think that is the kind of thing that as you progress in the sport, adding more and more of those little details is what is a piece of your ability to shoot at a higher level and, and be more competitive. The types of things at this level are, they're all kinds. I mean, it could be something as simple as having a really strong visualization of at the buzzer, how your hand is going to go to the gun at the same time that your foot steps out to be in position to draw to the first target. Or as you're leaving this position, you're going to shoot two targets and then start to lift your foot on the, the third one. You know, all of these little details that just make everything come together. And I think fundamentally are where you can start making up the little pieces of time that can separate the field from the guys at the top. What was nice is after having that experience, after having two weeks off to sort of stew about that and think about it, I then went back to those two same matches again last weekend and then and then this weekend. And I made sure to do all those things. And I made sure that I was taking enough time to visualize all the little pieces, the the breaking markers and the, the little flourishes and when the gun starts on the barrel, how exactly am I going to pick it up and where am I going to step to to start engaging the first targets because it is going to be tempting to start shooting from the from the initial position, but I don't want to, you know, all just all those little pieces. And so I was able to take those into these last two matches and shoot the way that I think I should be able to shoot. That's not to say it was perfect. I definitely still had some issues and I still need to work on some things, but at the very least, every stage went the way that I had planned it at, at the level of detail that I had planned it. So that was, that was satisfying. That was nice. Something else that happened at this most recent match that I thought was interesting and, and worth talking about has to do with a, a discussion that I see crop up from time to time on the internet. And in particular, there was a, a letter sent out a couple months ago from the director of the Range Officer Institute talking about using the proper range commands 
there, there are really two camps about this. One is a like, okay, what's the big deal? You prima donna GMs, if you don't get exactly right range commands, what? Your like feng shui is going to be thrown off, like grow up. And the other side is, well, it's in the rule book. There's no reason to not do it. There's no upside to not following the rules. So just do what the rule book says and get over it. And they're really, these two sides have sort of been at a bit of a stalemate because nobody really wants to change and everybody kind of likes their opinion. But I had an interesting experience this past uh, match. The scenario is that there was on this, this squad at this match, we had a competitor who DQ'd by sweeping his hand while opening a port. He was stopped immediately, told what went wrong. He was understanding. He handled it very well. He stuck around. He kept pasting. And a couple stages later, he tried to step up and help by taking the timer. I appreciated what he was doing, but he was not well-versed in the art of the range officer. And, you know, so for example, when I was making ready and I was doing that thing where when you want to visualize the stage one time through, one last time, because again, I wanted to work in all the little details, I kept my hand on my gun. And as my hand is sitting on my gun, he, he goes to say, shoot it ready, stand by. And I'm like, whoa, 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 hang on, hang on. And he, I mean, to the dude's credit, he immediately knew what he did wrong. He felt bad about it. He didn't have a lot of experience running the timer. And so he was trying to do the best that he could. Fine. Everybody starts somewhere. No big deal. No hard feelings. The problem that then happened is I should have taken a better, I should have done a better job resetting and getting back ready to shoot the stage. And one of the interesting things about this stage is the fact that from the start position, you basically had to step back one or two steps to see the first two targets that you would shoot and then move forward and shoot the rest of the stage. And I should have taken a little bit more time to reset after that happened. Cause that, that really, you know, that shook me a little bit. It threw me off my rhythm. I was expecting to sort of go through the stage plan one last time, put my hand at my side, get the stamp eye, get the beep, go shoot. And that event was so unexpected that it kind of just tweaked things just enough that I made an effort to sort of clear my head and and put it out of my mind. And what I failed to do was really prepare for that first explosive movement of the stage where I draw the gun, step back, and shoot those two targets and then move on. And at some point in between when he said stand by and I got the, the actual buzzer, the thought popped into my head like, wait a minute, what if I bump into this guy? And it, it was a completely irrational thing, but it was because I had the little bit of doubt and, and he wasn't using the right range commands and he sort of was clearly new to ROing. And it just introduced that, that small level of doubt. I shot that stage, not terribly, you know, nothing went catastrophically wrong. It was a couple seconds off the pace, but I just, it, the, the whole time I felt like I was reacting. I wasn't, I wasn't shooting proactively. I was sort of, I felt like I was on the defensive and having to catch up the whole time. And when it was all over and done with, I remember thinking to myself, you know, if you're in a situation like that, make sure to, if you're thrown off your game, you know, reset, take, the, the way I phrase it to myself is take three times longer than you think you need. Because I thought I'd taken as long as I needed to, to reset, to be ready to shoot the stage. And it just, it wasn't quite long enough, you know, another five, 10 seconds maybe, and just take that first lead domino step that, that would set off the whole chain reaction. And I would have been fine. And I, I just, I let it get to me a little bit too much. But ultimately, to me, that that reinforces my side of the debate about, you know, do do proper range commands matter? Yeah, yeah, I think they do matter because it tells you that the range officer probably knows what he's doing. Or at least if you're getting the wrong range commands, 
it introduces that element of doubt about what do I have to worry about this guy? Is he going to be in my way? Is he going to say the wrong thing? Is he going to do the wrong thing? Whereas when you have a really good RO, it does help you as a shooter because you can just do what you need to do, trust that he's going to make the right call and not have to worry about sort of tracking anyone in your peripheral vision, anything like that. That was uh, an interesting real-world example of something that had previously only been theoretical to me in uh, online discussions. And the last thing that I want to talk about today is just the fact that some of the match, both of the matches that I've been shooting, some of the matches around here, but but in particular the two that I've been shooting, I don't know due to what, but it seems like they are starting to set up more of the medium course style stages that people have been talking about for a while. You know, not just having every every stage be 28 to 32 rounds, but actually setting up some more strategic, technical type shooting challenges. And there was a, a particular set of stages right next to each other at the match this past weekend where one was so it was a 23 round stage not not a ton but you started to the middle left of the stage you pretty much at the beginning you stepped about two steps to your left you shot five pepper poppers and one sort of diagonal hardcover shot across the bay and then you took a couple steps towards the middle of the bay you shot three targets through a, a port a little bit down range you ran all the way to the the other side, the right side of the bay. There was one wide open target there, so you couldn't just blast it. You had to set up and, and get your alphas on it, but then move back to the middle of the stage, head forward, kind of shoulder your way in to to see a narrow shot on, on one target. And then the, the last three targets of the stage, they were maybe five to 10 yards away, but they were open enough that you could come in and shoot them while you were setting up. But they were also hardcover with barrels, and so you couldn't just completely hose on them. And so it was a it definitely rewarded that technical skill of being able to blend aggressively coming into the position and, and having your gun up and shooting while coming into position without just being a, a complete hose fest or at the same time being run to position, set up hard, and, and aim. And it was only 23 rounds, and it was my second favorite stage of that match. And then it was an interesting contrast to go from that stage to the next stage, which was 28 rounds. It was draw four rounds, move to the next position, eight rounds, move to the next position, eight rounds, move to the next position, eight rounds. Now, the shot difficulty at each position was highly varied. There were some drop turners. There were no shoots. There was hardcover. At one of the positions, you had to do a little bit of leaning around a barrel, so you could call it kind of two half positions instead of one whole position. So it was it was a challenging stage, but it was just amazing to me to look at that stage and say, you know, this is a, on paper, this is a 28-round stage, but it's much simpler, much more straightforward than this 23-rounder on the last bay, which was a puzzle. There were multiple interesting ways to shoot it. It helped to differentiate shooters of different levels, where stages that you just run to each spot and shoot all the targets from there, they, they can tend to cause shooters of different levels to bunch up in the results just because there isn't as much room to differentiate yourself and make those little kinds of the, the, the modifications, the, the final extra details that you can add at the end of the visualization, like I was talking about at the beginning of the show. I think they're, you know, they aren't bad stages. You know, those those stages that are run here, shoot this, they're tests of shooting ability. But when you're trying to test that level of high detail visualization, planning and execution, the the more medium course hunt and peck for targets, not just everything is all in one spot kind of stages, I think they offer a greater opportunity for shooters of different levels to shine and and differentiate themselves. That wraps up this episode of Short Course. Thanks for listening. You can find me on Facebook at Ben Barry Shooting and Instagram at BS Barry. I post my match videos on YouTube at youtube.com slash Ben Barry USPSA. 
My blog is at barryshooting.com. If you'd like to get an email when I put up a new blog post, you can join the mailing list. If you want to be the first to know when I open registration for a new class, check the classes box when you sign up for the mailing list. If you have a question or you just want to tell me something, you can email me at podcast at barryshooting.com. Talk to you next time.